Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Let's start with the NFL. It happened. The moment that everybody knew was coming became official yesterday. Rob Gronkowski is retiring. Yes, I know I said pretty much the exact same thing more than three years ago, but here we go again. Robert James Gronk. Gronkowski announced that he is retiring. Again, possibly, maybe, potentially, temporarily. I hope so. Not because I want him to, but I don't want this situation to be one where he's going back and forth and going all Brett Favre and all Tom Brady with it. I'm going to go by with what he posted. On Instagram, he wrote, quote, I will now be going back into my retirement home, walking away from football again, notice again, with my head held high, knowing I gave it everything I had, good or bad, every time I stepped on the field. He goes on, quote, the friendships and relationships I've made will last forever, and I appreciate every single one of my teammates and coaches for giving everything they had as well, from retirement, back to football, and winning another championship, and now back to chilling out. Thank you to all, end of quote. All right, that works. That's cool. As I said three years ago, I am never going to tell a guy when to retire or when not to retire, but... If you've taken the punishment that Gronk has taken over the years, this is the right move. The guy would be walking away while he can still walk. Of course, when I said that after he walked away in 2019, he walked right back in 2020 when Tom Brady went to Tampa. And sure enough, Tom himself got in on that fake retirement act earlier this year by quitting and spending about, I don't know, half a minute with his family and then realizing that it's much more fun to work 100-hour work weeks than it is to hang out with the family. But I guess I have to act like there's a chance that this might actually be a final, legitimate retirement for Gronk. After all, the guy is 33. He's had numerous back surgeries. He's had a torn ACL. He's had a broken arm. He's had a bad hammy and more. I mean, busted up. If there was ever somebody who should walk away from the game, it's Gronk. Because every extra game that he plays is like Russian roulette, right? It's a roll of the dice. A roll of the dice on a lifetime of pain in retirement. And by the way, he had a hell of a career. Four Super Bowl rings. The most 100-yard games by a tight end. The only tight end in history with three seasons of 1,000 yards and 10-plus touchdowns and a nice, easy, smooth trip to Canton. And then, of course, one great sound bite after another. We have Yo Soy Fiesta. We just got to keep working hard. We got to make sure we're focused coming into the Super Bowl. Entonces, bueno, hoy habrá que celebrarlo, Roberto. Tequila, cerveza, un poquito de todo. Tonight, celebrate a little bit, no? Oh, sí. Uh, yo, f- yo soy fiesta. Gracias. <laughs> uh, sí. Brillante. Excelente. No problema. Inteligente. Listo. Gronco. Yo soy fiesta. What a great line. What a great, great exchange. And how about this? Who could ever forget that legendary gal? On the legendary Gronk cruise. I'm trying to get laid. You're trying to get laid? Yeah. So you, why are you on the Gronk cruise? To sleep with Gronk. But you understand that, that that's tough. That's going to be tough. It might be tough because there's like way hotter chicks than me. But I'm hoping I'm a little bit more freaky than them. Incredible. In other words, I, I, I don't have to deal with them. They have to deal with me. So if this is the end, it's been an amazing ride. But, and there's always a but here, I'm not sure anybody believes this is actually the end or that he's actually retiring. And I'm not talking about me or his teammates or other randos. I'm talking about his agent. Drew Rosenhaus told Adam Schefter that he is not convinced that this is the end for Gronk. Quote, it would not surprise me if Tom Brady calls him during the season to come back and Rob answers that call. This is just my opinion, but I wouldn't be surprised if Rob comes back during the season or next season, end of quote. Listen, I'm not saying that a retirement is a fake. I'm not saying that this is a stunt. I'm not saying that we should ignore it. But if your own agent 
doesn't really believe that you're done playing, that's something. If your own agent on the day that you announce your retirement is saying that he pretty much expects you to come back this year or next, that's saying something. And what it says is, what are we doing here? I mean, what are we doing here? Is he really actually walking away from the game or does he just not want to go through training camp? What are we doing here? Is Rob Gronkowski the new Brett Favre? Are the Bucks going to have to get Tommy and some of the fellas to gas up a private jet, to fly to Gronk, interrupt his Dilla hunt, and convince him to come out of retirement at some point? Listen, Gronk is awesome. I mean, he really is. He's great. He completely changed the game. It's a fact. He changed how NFL football is played in the modern era. That big lug lumbering down the field with his giant hamburger helper gloves was an absolute nightmare for linebackers and DBs and anybody else who got in his way. And if this really is the end, good for him. I'm genuinely genuinely pleased for Gronk. I love Gronk. However, however, if this is some stupid semi-retirement where you skip training camp and the first few weeks of the season and then everybody falls all over themselves when there's, quote, breaking news that he's coming back, man, keep me the hell out of it. Keep me out of it. Not interested. Just like I don't need some teaser about an announcement from Gronk that everybody thinks is about him unretiring and turns out to be him announcing that he is endorsing a product. Don't need that. Keep me out of that too. And if and when he does come back, I don't need anyone going Susie Waldman on it. Roger Clemens is in Georgia's box and Roger Clemens is coming back. Robert Gronkowski is in the owner's box, and Robert Gronkowski is coming back. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh my goodness of all the dramatic things I've ever seen. Of all the dramatic Listen. things I've ever seen, Roger Gronk, my man, if you're thinking about retiring, you should retire. In fact, the very moment you start thinking about retirement is the very moment you should fill out the papers and go find another gig or a beach, or a bar, or a golf course, or another cruise, or whatever you want. I mean, then again, it is June, right? Of course he's retired, allegedly. Who doesn't want to retire at the start of summer? Hell, I'd walk right out of the studio right now and retire. But for Rob, check back with me in September. Big dude, you're not asking me for my advice but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Always forward, never back. Always forward, never back. Say goodbye. File the paperwork. Post pictures of you on the couch with that awesome family of yours and your friends. And thank your teammates. Maybe even do a word cloud of everybody you ever played with and tweet it out like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Hell, my dude. I mean, you have denied yourself for so long. Well, not really. Actually, you look like you've never missed a good party. I mean that in a good way. But you know what you should do? And I know it's kind of the antithesis of the Gronk family because you guys are all lugged up and shredded. But, man, get fat. Fat. Get fat. Fat. Get fat. Fat. Get your agent to pick up some sponsorships. Well, more of them. And then just move on. But whatever you do, do not go Brett Favre on us. Do not go Tom Brady on us. It's tired. It's played. It's not cool. Nobody likes or appreciates that. If you're retired, congrats. An amazing football life. Stay retired. If you want to come back and play, do that. Just don't play us. Play or don't play, but don't play us. Play or don't play, but don't play us. Nobody appreciates that. Trade pros. Whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a long day on the job, which is why we're committed to offering the products and solutions to get every job done right. With over a thousand locations, an unmatched selection of specialty products, tools, and supplies, our pro pickup and same or next day delivery, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson will be the easiest part of your hard day's work. Visit ferguson.com to find a counter location near you. In Green Bay, Jeremy, what's going on? Yo, what up, pimp? Hey, RIP to Tyler and his career as a caller. 
Enjoy your unofficial official ban, loser. America will celebrate yesterday as our independence from Canadian representation in the smack-off. This dude's out hunting moose so often, Jim, he forgot how to chase tail. You spent some more time in the bush, Tyler. Now you're attracted to those unkempt Canadian versions of Portland women. Why don't you go reunite with that Sasquatch in Calgary? It's a match made in hell. And how are you going to compare Silk's face to Left's ass? It doesn't even make sense, bro. Silk is so tan, he's the Reese Withered Spoon of the jungle. Shout out, pup. Put some Aveeno on that face, brah. Now, Tyler, let an American show you how to make that joke sound funny. Well, Jim, I guess you could say... CBS had to crop that hideous photo of Left's ass from the montage because it was too ugly, too pasty white, because it looked too much like Shawnee the Cablanasian's face. That's how it's done, Tyler. USA a billion, Canada zero, you bitch. And when Canadians are standing in bread lines this fall, don't expect America to save your asses. We have our own food supply crisis to worry about. Jeff in Richmond keeps eating all the damn food. Hey, Left, a lot of people heard your RSVP including Caleb's parents. Seriously, Lef, they heard all that fat virgin doesn't have a girlfriend smack, and they want you to know, Lef, you forgot ugly, lazy, and a freeloading son of a bitch. Now let's see all those golden ticket-holding jabronis follow that, Jim. Talk to you later. Jeremy in Green Bay. The thing about that is, Jeremy, number one, welcome back. I like that energy. Mark in Boston. Dude, what's going on? Jimbo, man, Jeremy, look at you, slugger. I figured we'd already reached the elevator weight limit for Wisco bags. We got Caleb topping out. Now we got to fit Chris and Southie's sweatpants in there with his 300 pounds. Benny's a bit of a wave, so I bet we could squeeze about 300 more in that elevator before the cable snaps. Good job, Jeremy. Hey, Jimmy. I do hope that you take Drizzle's call Friday because you could easily knock out three birds with one stone. Number one, we've already got a homeless dude in Ira Craig. Ding! We've got an angry for no reason douche nozzle in Rick and Buffalo. Ding, ding! And we've already got a 400-pound dude who brags about his luxury sled and says the same damn thing every time he calls. So you take Drizzle, we can easily knock Jeff and Rich right out of the field and save up some about 10 minutes for some real talent. Uh, and I get that it's golden ticket D-Day, so let me go ahead and burn some of my material since, you know, most of them are going to be gone in about an hour. I had this whole bit about Ms. Nika doing post-draft tenderoni grades, but um, trying to write takes about her on the wrestling mat made me vomit quite a bit. Simply put, James in Portland is a pervert. There's a pervert in the jungle right now, and I'm going to tell you once again, it's James. And uh, no one else is really worth mentioning. Get to the Chapa Clowns. Get to the Chapa, Tyler, and Edmonton. Tyler, I really hope you get it together soon because that call was so trash. Drizzle searching it for dinner tonight. Basically, if you don't come up with a better call than that after not calling for a whole year, I'll be queue up to Tom Petty. I don't come around here no more. There's going to be a lot of heartbreakers on the Friday, Jim. See ya. Oh, dude, you're good. You are so good, dude. Mark in Boston. My man. Let's go there right now. Eric in Escondido. Eric, what's going on? How are you? What's up, Rome? Thanks for the vine. Hey, really looking forward to uh, this Friday smack off as it's kind of a personal jungle anniversary for myself. 20 years ago, Friday, working on my grandpa's farm in Kansas, flipping through the radio stations, trying to find something different. And I landed on KFH and heard a bunch of dudes with crazy names like Silk Rock, Kerwin, and whatever the heck a Cablination is absolutely eviscerating each other. I was lucky enough to stumble into the jungle in the middle of a smack-off and thought that's what the show was all the time. You always tell people, give the show two weeks. It only took me two segments to be hooked. Thanks for all the smiles and laughs over the last 20 years, Romy. So to celebrate the sacred holiday and my 20 years in the jungle, we are having a watch party this Friday in Escondido at an establishment that, if I'm not mistaken, Jim, you have frequented a time or two. We will be at Pounders on Grand Avenue in Escondido, 8.30 Friday morning. The fine people who own this historical landmark of Escondido are going to be opening early for the clone. So let's show them some love and get a good turnout. Shout out to all the San Diego County clones. Come out, have some cold ones. Looking at you, Abigail. Put the apparatus down. Cruise up to North County. Even you, V in the fee. I didn't realize till yesterday that the fee was actually Menifee but you're welcome to come down from that landfill and join us also. Pounders on Grand in Escondido, 
opened at 8.30 for Bloody Mary shooters and ice cold beers all day. As for the event itself, I'm going to be rooting for a Cali victory, Jim. I don't really care if it's left, Mark and Hollywood, or the BIC. All those dudes are hilarious. But after yesterday's profile, I put my money on the assassin, Broadway Victor, to win his second. But in reality, I don't care if it's the BIC, the VIC, or anyone else, as long as it's not that Delta Bravo in Buffalo. The DBB is the worst caller in the history of the smack off, and it would be a travesty and insult to the jungle if he won. And the bitch I'm talking about is not Paul's dog. Go away, Rick. Never come back. Hey, before I go, quick shout out to all the male nurses out there. Thank you, Merces, for setting aside your manliness, drowning out what little glimmer of masculinity you had left to choose a woman's career and wear pajamas to work every day. What happened? Beauty school didn't let you in? War Iafrady making the single greatest call in the history of the jungle on February 3rd, 2020. Look it up. War Chiefs Kingdom. See you at Pounders on Friday. I'm out. Dude. How do you wreck a perfect call with that? That I'm stunned. And now a message from Discover About Rewards. If you are a loyal credit card customer, you should be rewarded for your loyalty, preferably with something that's useful, like Cashback Match, for instance. Discover matches all the cash back that you've earned at the end of your first year. Finally, rewards that make sense. Discover exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations do apply. Smack off 28 now in two days. I've spent the last month profiling every legitimate contender that's going to be in the field. But today, one thing that I do want to do, I want to shout out to some people who probably will not call on Friday. Don't get me wrong. I want them to call on Friday. All of them, truly. They all have invites. They don't even have to RSVP. This group is so exclusive, they can show up unannounced. And I will put them in the field. Maybe even get them on the air. I just don't think that any of them will call because none of them have called in many years. But if any of them do, there is a very good chance they'll get on. It's the toughest invite to get, the best rager ever, the one that everybody wants, but almost nobody gets. And these people that I'm about to mention can walk right into it. And I want to make sure you're all schooled on who they are in the event that any of them do decide to jump in. Honestly, this group deserves the run anyway, even if they don't call, because without this group, the smack-off would not be what it is right now. So, let's talk about a few of the OGs, starting with the one OG who made his way back into the jungle this year. That's right, my dude Otis in Austin, who shocked the world with his surprise return after over a decade in hiding. Tom Cruise can make a comeback after almost 40 years. Do a sequel to the Top Gun, and Otis can rise up out of mothballs and try an RSBP for that there smack off. Hey, Rome, I hear that Jim and Fall Rivers entered a mule in the Preakness. That's whack. So, pretty amazing to have Otis back in the fold. Then he stuck around and he got really comfortable. Maybe too comfortable. I know he badly wanted that golden ticket to the big dance, but. I have been matumboing him for months. So right now, I'm about to show a token of my appreciation. Call it a tip of the hat to the OGs. My man Otis, believe it or not, you're in. I've got a golden ticket. I've got a golden ticket. Not because I think you'll win, because I know you won't. But as a tip of the hat to the OGs, and you are that, my guy. You are that, and I appreciate you coming back. In fact, i like to welcome back the prodigal son or sons. Loyalty and longtime fandom will always be rewarded in the jungle. So Otis has a golden ticket. It's not guaranteed that he'll get on the air that day, but he has a ticket. Which moves me right on to shouting out the most prolific sibling act ever on the program. The brothers Ditola, Jeffrey the Esquire, and Doc Mike. Three straps between the two of them. Neither of them have come around in years, but they both have lifetime exemption status because they both literally were here at the very beginning. Both these dudes, the brothers, called into the great American smack-off in its inaugural year, 1995. Then the following year, in something of an upset, Jeffrey ripped the crown at smack-off too. I don't want to be a legend anymore. I don't need my own 800 number to call the jungle. 
I don't want my own radio show. I'm tired of being one of your boys like Husto and Psycho Mike. I want to stay on hold forever like everyone else. I want to be the one on the other end of the line when you say, in order of the longest wait, 153 minutes, Jeffrey E. Ditola. So here's the first call from the new me. Okay, Jim, you're huger than really big things. Next, women's basketball rules. Why? Because they're so fundamentally sound. Next, I know that bowling is a sport. Why? Two reasons. Because you have to wear special shoes and because I do it. Jim, doctors who can prescribe drugs for their brother's rule. Jim, from now on, as far as I'm concerned, I am the anti-legend. I am Jeffrey E. Ditola Esquire, king of the clones. Uh, uh, rock me! The most humble champ ever, Jeffrey Ditola. He won the second one. Fellas, it's been too long for both of you. Jeff and Mike, you've got those fancy lifetime exemptions. Go ahead and use them. By the way, you can earn a lifetime exemption by ripping a strap. That's how they did it. Or or by being freaking awesome over an extended period of time, and that is Terrence and Sierra Madre's deal, a.k.a. the best to never win one, the best caller ever to this program to never be named King of Smack. In fact, Terrence never even finished better than third in his 15 smack-off appearances, but he is still an out-and-out jungle legend, and this is why. But at least he's better off than poor old Steve Garvin, who has to constantly tell kids, no, I'm not your dad. I'm Steve Garvin, okay? You want Steve Garvin. <laughs> he's the one who pumps chicks like a rabbit on crystal meth, not me. Hi, Freddy. He's a scared, coward a-hole, and if I ever meet him on the street, I will fight him. Brett from Corona. I'm assuming that's not Brett from Corona Del Mar, but Brett from Corona Del Trailer Park. Hey, as much as I enjoy hearing you put the wood to Iafredi, it seems to me your whole beef with him is based on the fact that he hasn't died yet. You know, I just hope when the years start creeping up on you, you will follow your own advice and hoist yourself up on a shower rod. Was it really that long ago that a fresh, mole-faced kid out of Cal State Fullerton stopped watching porn long enough to enlighten the world about the thin line of blasphemy? Well, I was screening calls for Jim Rome. Hey, weaklings, better not cross the thin line of blasphemy. I wish I was home watching porn today, but I wouldn't. And laconic, it looked like Eric Gagne, M-O-L-E, that spells free. DexterManly.com, baby. Come on, everybody now. Sing along. Ah, screw it. <laughs> Incredibly, it's been 12 years now since Terrence checked himself into the game on the biggest day of the jungle calendar. I mean, can you imagine what that sounded like more than a decade ago? He did make a shocking cameo and left in Laguna's winning call back in 2017. But I think I speak for everybody when I say that's not nearly enough. Not nearly enough. We all want more Terrence. I'm pretty much certain that we won't get any more Terrence, but we all want more Terrence. Another OG who fell off the face of the jungle earth until showing up with left back in 17, Kerwin in Riverside. And as great as it was to see him a few years back, where I really want to see him is in the mix on the main event day, because in his day, Kerwin could hang with anybody. In fact, nobody was as smooth as this cat when he snagged a silver back in Smack Off 5. You know, the other day I was watching the Bricks gift wrap another game away by giving the ball to Ewing in the fourth quarter. And being the avid sports fan that I am, recognizing all aspects of the game at every given moment, the one thing I constantly kept noticing was, my God, I've parked my car in garages smaller than this guy's nostrils. I mean, if Amazon.com is still looking for a place big enough to store their books and CDs, Patrick's your man. And I still can't figure out for the life of me how this guy wasn't able to get the NBA players a better deal. I figured he would have just walked right into the meeting and worn the owners down by sucking all the oxygen out of the room. But I guess trees make a lot of oxygen, but you use a lot of oxygen, eh, Patrick? Kerwin, incredible. My man, love to see you on Friday. Speaking of dudes who've been gone for nearly 20 years, the door is always open for the OG legend, Jim in Fall River. Unfortunately, he's been AWOL since 04. This is how good this guy is. I'm still chasing a guy who has been AWOL since 04, and it's because of calls like this. You know, last night I was trying to cast a mental picture of what the jungle might sound like without the host, without the famous guests, without the facts and the emails, and without my takes. It wouldn't be a very appealing sound. I love trouble. For a few clones, I hate you all a-holes on the street. I avoid you at any cost. You are lined up the on my debut. Your prize will be a leg and a boot. Barking Mark in Buffalo. 
Just the fact alone that you chose Flutie to run smack on makes you look like the no-take wonder you are. I can't wait for you to break out with some Lance Armstrong or Eric Davis smack. You know, the only way you can win this thing is if you call on a cell phone while barrel-jumping Niagara. Bet you can't do it, buddy. Before Hassig arrived, Buffalo's greatest athlete was Bob McAdoo. Look how that turned out. The only thing Buffalo has over Kraft Chester is a chicken wing recipe that you didn't actually invent. Oh, Jim, 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 what is that, what is that animal in the background? She was Lizzie Borden, and the house now is an historically present... I'm telling you, this is why I've been chasing this guy for nearly 20 years. Hey, listen, I understand that investing can be really confusing, especially right now when people start throwing around terms like meme stocks, altcoin, and shilling. With all that jargon flying around, it can be hard to figure out exactly how or where to start investing. Getting your money right is easier with SoFi. It's the first investing platform to offer stocks, ETFs, automated investing, and cryptocurrency too, all in one single app. So whether you're eager to get started with investing or you already know the ropes and you want to diversify your portfolio, SoFi has your back. No commissions on trading stocks and ETFs, plus no account fees or hidden fees. Use fractional shares that start as low as $5 to buy brand name stocks, even if you don't have a couple of grand lying around. And complimentary financial planners are ready to help you with any questions, whether you're stuck on where to start or you need help deciding what to do next. What I'm saying to you is... Cut through all the jargon. Make investing easier with SoFi. Visit SoFi.com slash Rome and learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open up an account. That's SOFI.com slash R-O-M-E. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, all investments involve risk, including the loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results or future performance. Jordan Mylotta is my guest. Jordan, it is great to have you on. How are you? Jim, thanks for that amazing intro, mate. Thanks. My man, you, you have a great story, and I've been really looking forward to talking to you. So it's great to have you on. Let me ask you this. It was not that long ago that you had never played in an organized football game, and now you are regarded as one of the best tackles in the league. You're going on reality shows. You are absolutely beloved in Philadelphia. I mean, how much has your life changed in the last few years? And uh, it's, it's staying right, mate. Staying right. Um, yeah, it's the team. It's an amazing opportunity that uh, the Eagles gave me, and I'm just trying to pay it back, pay it forward, and you know, just just live live my best life. <laughs> All right, so so folks understand this, Jordan. You had two older brothers. Well, let me ask. Let me back it up even further, so people understand how incredible it is. If you go back, yeah. you grew up in Bankstown, outside of Sydney, Australia, as the fourth of five kids. What was life like for you growing up? Um, I come from a very humbling family you know uh we didn't have much but we had each other and you know that was that was always enough and um you know my parents did a, did a great job raising uh the five of us you know, four boys one girl sister being the eldest and sister did a good job raising us too when mom and dad were at work and so we we're always very competitive growing up we played every time except for football um, so yeah, as if you can imagine four boys on the one roof, a lot of competitions, a lot of wrestling, a lot of fights. So yeah, it was good. Yeah. Four guys under one roof and everybody <laughs> was physical and competitive and you guys did everything except football. So you had two older brothers who played rugby. And then when you started to play legend has it Jordan, that opposing teams demanded to see your birth certificate because they thought <laughs> that you were an adult. What were your early yeah, days in rugby like? Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. Uh, you know, coming up in the ranks, you know, when I was like 13, 14, 15, um, you know, a lot of teams would be like, you know, because we, we play age divisions down there in Australia. So, you know, 13s play against 13-year-olds, 14s, and so on. So, you know, a couple of teams would always ask to see uh, the birth certificate just because I was a man mountain among kids. But those are good times. Those are good memories. So for people listening, of course, because you were a man amongst kids, but for people listening who are not familiar with rugby, what position did you play and what was that like? Like, how different is that from what you do now as an offensive lineman? So I played prop, basically. You play both sides of the ball in rugby. Every position plays both sides of the ball, offense and defense. Uh, Prop's usually just 
you clear the rock or uh, you run the ball a lot. Run the ball a lot and you have to do a lot because most teams attack the middle. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's some gruesome work uh, to, you know, to make the transition from rugby to, to football because nothing correlates or translates over to, to this sport. And uh, it's extremely difficult at first learning football. Yeah, now, now I'm not, not doing too bad right now. No, you're not doing too badly at all right now. I want to get into that process in a minute, but one more thought. At 17, you earned a spot on the practice roster of the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs, but the story goes you collapsed during training and you were diagnosed with a heart condition that required a couple of different procedures. How scary was that? At that point, what were your thoughts about your athletic career? Did you think maybe it's not meant to be? Uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a scary moment. Um, but I'm always an up. I was a, I was always an upbeat kid. So when it happened, I was kind of just like, you know, didn't really understand what was going on. So I, I was just in high spirits. But you know, once I went through the two procedures, it was kind of like, oh wow, doctors are telling me I might not be able to play sport again. Um, so I didn't listen to them and joined a, a rugby team like a year and a half after surgery or the procedures, and uh, just started playing again to to see where you know, my fitness was at. So yeah, kind of kind of rocked me for a little bit, but um, you know, like I said, I've always been an upbeat kid and always seen the positive in, in dark situations. So yeah, not not that bad. No, so you stay in the fight, you keep playing, and then along the way, people in the NFL start to see footage of you playing rugby, and then you come to the U.S. and you start working out at the IMG Academy in Florida. People who were there have got so many stories about you, the fact that you were always upbeat and warm and friendly and that you're one of the most amazing athletes they had ever seen. But you didn't know anything about football at all, right? So what were the first few weeks like? Uh, yeah, it was, it was gruesome. The, uh, the NFL ran this program down at IMG in Florida, and basically they you know, choose international prospects that they want to turn into football players so they can bridge that connection in their respective countries. And so I was selected from Australia, and um, you know the first couple of weeks was uh, it was pretty pretty regimented. Um, they were trying to style the the days just like a NFL day, like what you would do in a normal season. So it was pretty long days at first, and I I, I thought these people were crazy because I just had never been through you know like twelve hour days where it's just football, 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 and mate, um, you know, once we got used to it, once you you started to get used to the process, the routine. You kind of just felt, you know, like ABCs just got normal. The more repetitions that we did, it just became normal. Hey, Jordan, let me ask you this. Paul Dunn was coaching the offensive lineman at IMG. He told the Athletic that you were always putting in extra time, even on Fridays. He said, quote, it would be 4.35 o'clock. Well, my wife and I have a standing date on Fridays. I'd say, I'm done with you, and start walking off the field. And he'd say, you cannot quit on me. He'd come running after me, tackle me, and say, Dunny, this is my life. You can't quit on me. <laughs> you said that. Is that how that went? I mean, did you have a plan B, or did you kind of like burn the boats and say, there's no turning back. I'm all in. It's this or nothing else. Yeah, I didn't really have a plan B. Um, you know, uh, of course, rugby would always be there if, if this opportunity didn't work out. But you know, when I left Australia, I put all my eggs in one basket and you know, I really gave it my all. I wanted this to work out. I wanted to, to succeed and prove to myself and my family that I can do, you know, I can do anything that I put my mind to. So. So that's, exactly, so that's exactly what you did. So I'm going to skip over a few things. But in 2018, <laughs> Philadelphia moves up. They draft you. What do you remember about being selected by the Eagles? Um, well, I remember getting an invite by uh, NFL Films to uh, to attend the, the draft. And I was kind of just like, yeah, you know what? Just just soak up you know, the, the experience. You know, I didn't expect to get drafted. So it was kind of just yeah, going with the flow. Um, was able to have uh, one of the other boys that, that we became uh, best mates out of the program. He he played rugby too. They put him at tight end, um, and he came with me to, to draft day. Uh, and so went there on the third day, and you know, I didn't have any expectations of getting drafted. Got a couple calls from teams trying to sign me to their, uh, uh, the undrafted, you know, sign me as an uh, undrafted free agent. So I was like, okay, cool, cool, but I just want to go through this whole process, even if I'm the last pick. You know, just didn't really expect it. Um, and then sure enough, I got a couple of phone calls, you know, towards 
uh, the end of round six and the start of round seven. And I'm thinking, oh, mate, maybe this is it. And yeah, sure enough, when I least expect it, you know, I'm laying down on the couch. I think there's film of it somewhere um, on the interweb. You can uh, you can find it. But uh, I'm laying down on the couch, and my agent comes over and he's like, Philly's um, about to call you. And I'm like, yeah, sure, sure. Sure enough, they call. And, um, yeah, that that feeling of, you know, listening to the GM and the coaches say, you know, they're going to pick you, they're going to draft you. It's surreal. And it just hit me. It just hit me. I felt like, you know, the I, all the hard work that I had done, putting all my eggs in the basket and just, you know, giving it all I had kind of paid off for the moment. Such a great story and for the moment. So clearly you had work still ahead of you, but such a great story. I mean, bottom line this, like you told the athletic, quote, if you look back at how I got here, you're like bleep. How the bleep? Pardon my language. How did yeah. he get here? I mean, so how would you answer that? When you look back on your journey, how would you explain all this? Um, I think just trusting in the process. You know, and, and my offensive line coach, Coach Stout, does a great job of, you know, drilling that into our heads of trusting in the process and being where your feet are at and just making sure that you're executing the minor details right. And I think that's how I got here. When I look back, just taking care of the little things and the big things to take care of themselves. Not just got here, but as I mentioned, the second highest PFF offensive grade among left tackles in last season. Not just got here, but dominating now that he is here. Jordan Mailata of the Eagles joining us. They open up the season against Detroit September 11th. Jordan, my man, great story. I know you're in demand, but it's great to have you on the show. Really appreciate you. Great talking to you. No, thank you. Thank you for having me, brother. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake or eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Wild Trapper, because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender, and it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried-out, tough beef in a bag? No one. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those of you who like to take things up a notch. Next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper Witcher Beef on Wisconsin. I love it. Melvin Gordon is my guest. Melvin, you and I go way back, but it's been a minute or two since we last talked. How you doing? How's life right now? It's good, man. It's uh, it's a little tough, though, man. It's, uh, you know, the, the training has started. So, uh, you know, it's, it's long days, man. Yeah, I hear that. So the training has started. Let me ask you about that since you brought that up. I had Austin Eckler on the show earlier this week, and we were talking about the fact that he did not go to OTAs because he feels like it's more effective and more efficient to train on his own because he's got other projects that he's working on. You were not at OTAs in Denver either. What was your thinking behind that? Um, I just always kind of, you know, when guys get older, they kind of they kind of like their they, 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 they build their own plan and you know, just kind of had their own schedule, and, you know, you like to stick to it. I mean, it's nothing against anybody, but, you know, you kind of got your formula and what works for you, and, you know, that's what guys like to do, you know. Melvin Gordon joining me. Yeah, I get that, and I would imagine over the years your formula probably has changed as you've gotten into it and you've learned. As an example, you were talking to Will Compton and Taylor Lewan on their podcast, and you were talking about the difference – between squatting back in college and in the NFL. Like in college, it was all about maxing out and putting everything you possibly could on the bar. So what's your approach in that regard now? Yeah, um, yeah, you know, you know, in college, man, it's you know, you like to brag, so you putting on, you know, close to almost six hundred pounds on the squat. Uh I'm I'm not doing that no more, man. You know, you you know, it's just you know, the season is too long. You you can't you can't train that way. Um, now I focus more on, you know, just, just my craft and, and my speed, you know, um, the power is going to be there. I don't probably, I just, I stay at probably four or five. I, if I'm a squat heavy, I probably go there. I won't go over, um, just like for the knees and stuff, man. It's just, I don't think it's good. So, um, it's just right now I just try to focus on my speed 
and just keeping my craft good with my, you know, as a, as a back, just keeping my feet good. I like that. Melvin Gordon joining us. I've actually been in that weight room, so I can imagine if you're a young guy and you're feeling <laughs> that, man, dude, there is that peer pressure and that pride. I can see that. Now, you've had nearly 2,300 yards from scrimmage and 20 touchdowns since arriving in Denver. You could have gone elsewhere in free agency, but you decided to re-up with the Broncos. Why was that important to you? Um, man, Russell was a big part of that. It, it was it was crazy, man. We had a lot of conversations and um, – you know, I, I was just – I was doing my best to try to get him here. You know, a lot of people – you know, I've I seen a, a really trash article about me and uh, saying Russell needs to bring him aboard. And, and what people don't know, I was – even even knowing that I it was a possibility I wouldn't be with Denver, I was still saying everything, talking up every player offensively and defensively to get Russell to Denver, you know. Um I mean, we had plenty of conversations. We had talked about it. And me and him being able to play on the same team is something that we've wanted to do for a long time, man. And, you know, I, I kind of, you know, it kind of sucked that that came out, but it's whatever. Because uh, they don't know the backstory and, you know, the conversations that me and Russell had leading up to him being on the team. Now, did I make a difference? No. Um, probably not. Maybe. Maybe not. But, you know, down from the offensive lineman, down from every position I named, okay, this is this guy, this guy, this is what he does well. This was he's young, but he's gonna be good. I talked about Quinn. I talked about how I think he's gonna be one of the best guards in the league one day and be one of the highest paid guards. Like we had plenty of conversations that people didn't know about and still don't need to know about uh, verbatim, word for word. Um, but like I said, not knowing that I would even be here, man. Um, you know, I talked up Denver to the max, you know, because it's an opportunity. I know he. He won it, and I know that this team got the chance to. We got the players to to really make it, man. And I and I a big part of me staying is because of him and the relationship with the guys, man. Like I said, I hate change. I really don't like change. Um, I got a great relationship with the guys here, and then the head coach bring like a different feel, man. It's it's so different now, man. I'm telling you, it's you 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 want to go to work, you know. It's it's, it's lovely, man. Talking to Melvin Gordon, that's a really interesting answer, Melvin. You talked about there being a trash article. Uh, I guess you're talking about that Denver Post article that got tweeted out. I want to read the quote so the listeners understand what we're talking about here. They tweeted out an article about you last week with the caption, quote, depending on whom you ask, Melvin Gordon is either an underrated, strong, confident, misunderstood, fantasy league workhorse, or a selfish, me-first, fumble-prone headache. End of quote. Let me ask you, man, when you, I'll get your reaction to that, but when you put up the numbers you've put up, and you're the kind of teammate you've been, do you hear something like that, and does it roll off your back? Sounds like maybe not. Or does that kind of piss you off, and is it unfair? Uh, that, that, that pissed me off. I could care less about the fumbles or or all that other, you know, jazz that they was talking about. It's it's what kind of irritated me was the bad teammate part. Like I've never had a teammate ever, um, since high school, since little league ever tell me that I was a bad teammate. Um like me and a few other players that I know, um, we pride ourselves on being, you know, good teammates and being good role models in the locker room. Now when I get in the media I you know, I don't sugarcoat anything i keep it real i feel like people like to disguise what they really what they really say what they really want to say and what they you know what they feel about certain situations and sometimes i don't i don't you know it is what it is you know and kareem jackson he says what he feels i mean it is what it is I, it, what's the point of holding back i mean but i you know for for them to say a, a bad teammate is just like i i really pride myself that's something i really pride myself on in the locker room is just, you know what I'm saying, just bonding with the guys. I talk to different guys, whether they – I hang out with the defensive guys really more than I do offensive guys. I talk to the special teams guys. I I have a relationship with everybody, with Sam, with 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 Mike. With, I mean, I was locker mates with Shelby. Like, he was one of my favorite teammates. So, for them to, for them to say that, I guarantee you, you can ask any teammate that I've ever been with, top to bottom, if I'm a bad teammate. And – they'll they'll look they'll look stupid you know so that kind of bothered me a lot because that's the first time I've ever heard that and like I said I take pride in and you know in in being a good teammate man because them boys is all we got Melvin Gordon my guest I was gonna say dude I mean 
I'm on the outside looking in. I'm not inside that locker room, but you and I have been talking for so many years, and you mentioned Kareem. I had Kareem on recently. I had Justin Simmons on recently. You're on today, and th- this is not a coincidence. I like having guys on that approach it just the way you said, by keeping it real. There's no need to sugarcoat it. It's not that you're coming for anybody per se. You're just being real and upfront and honest, and I appreciate that. That's always good, I think, for the individual and for the show. Why is it so important for you to connect with all those guys? Is that just the way you are, or do you feel as a vet it is your job to connect with as many guys as possible in that locker room? Yeah, it's just both, man. I, I've had, I've seen, you know, I've seen some great role models. And, and coming in when I was a Charger, man, I watched how, I watched how, you know, the older guys did things. I watched how Phil, you know, come play cards with us. He'll sit with the old line and Phil literally just, Went around the whole locker room. He never, you know, he just it's just a it's just true fashion, true form of a leader. You know, I seen Gates pull free agents to the side and and have conversations with them and talk them up. And I do the same thing, man. It's, I, you know, you gotta you gotta motivate guys because you know it's at times in this league that you know you feel like oh I didn't go this round, I didn't go that round that I'm not appreciated. You know, and when you got a Hall of Famers like that doing it, what makes me any different? You know what I'm saying? I shouldn't feel like I'm too good to not talk to a player when a player is down. Um, Justin Simmons do the same thing. You know, I, I watch a lot of guys do that. And it's just like, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you need to do. You know, so I've been seeing it for a while. And I was just like, you know what? Um, you know, when I'm an older guy and people are looking at me like that, I'm going to do the same thing as those guys, you know what I mean? So when I seen that, man, I was just like, bro, that's a slap in the face because, you know, I've watched those guys for so long do that and said I wanted to be just like them, you know what I mean? So they just don't know any better. Melvin Gordon is joining us. Respect. They just don't know any better. Hey, listen, before, what a great conversation. I appreciate you. I just wanted to take that point, take that moment and say I appreciate you and I appreciate our relationship. As I mentioned off the top, you're hosting a flag football tourney at Camp Randall Stadium, one of my favorite places, July 16th. Lay it out for me. What's it all about? How do people get more info? Um, man, it's a, me, me and it's, it's, it's a lot of guys that's from my college, man. We just wanted to do something, um, just for the community, man, have guys come out and compete, man. We love that. Um, you know, you just go to melvingordon.org. Uh, um, it's my site, man, uh, slash event. And you just sign up there, man. I think it's it's just it's just for guys, for $10,000, man, for guys, honestly, to just come out and compete. We got different gifts. And I think it's dope to, you know, that, you know, Madison was, uh, you know, willing to let us, let us go back. I'm trying to get Jonathan Taylor there. We're going to have a big, uh, a big, big group, a herd of running backs uh, that went to Wisconsin. We're trying to get Monty there. I don't think James could make it. Uh, Dare should be there. So it'll be, a, it'll be a group of us that, you know, just want to go out there and see guys have fun, man. And it's at Camp Randall. You know, we, we, I, wish I, I wish I could have played in a 7-on-7 tournament um, for $10,000 at Camp Randall. Like, what the heck? I'd have <laughs> – I'd have been out there balling. I'd have put some guys from up the street, my quarterback, Geno, from high school. We'd have been out there trying to make some plays, man. You know, so 10000 is a lot to people. To some, it's probably not. But to people who don't have it, man, that's, that's, it's dope. And all you have to do is come out there, have a good time, and compete, man. I love so that. We're what's, excited about what's it. What's better than that? That is great. How about Ron Dane? Can you get Ron Dane back there? We're going to try, man. Ron is always around. Man, He got a little office in there, man. So, uh, you know, maybe he'll pop down. Uh, especially with all the backs, I, 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 it's a good opportunity for all the backs to be there. Me, JT, like I said, Monty, all those guys. Unfortunately, James won't be able to make it. But if Ron could come down there, and you know the, uh, I think Braylon. So man, if 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 those guys can come, man, that that and all of us get a group picture, I think that'll be it's the best. Be man. Lit. It is the best. It will be lit. It'll be dope. It'll be any any word you want to describe. It fits there. I've been there. I'm part of that Badger family now, Badger Mafia on Wisconsin. I'm behind it. Melvin Gordon, two-time Pro Bowler, running back with the Broncos, keeping it real and set the record straight in a few things. My man, I appreciate you. Great to have you back, Melvin. Always, man. Hey, thanks for having me, man. It's always an opportunity. My man. I love to, you know, take care of you. Let's get this beef segment going once a week. You can beef about anything you want, sports, non-sports, anything. Let's start with the email and the social media. At Scripps Nakamoto is going to set the tone. I have beef 
with the online shopping cart countdown clock. Stop pretending like you'll only sell me these items in a three-minute window. You're already getting my money. Stop giving me anxiety while you do it. Get that clock out of my face and pay for my shipping. Okay, I like that. Gym master, my beef is with the tools. At work, who ask me, do anything fun on your vacation? Yes, work losers. I didn't come to work. That's fun enough. You don't need the details of how we got nice in Prescott. Wore the abs, hoisting the cup. Ron from Colorado, now in Prescott. That's nice. Bruno, the great 32, tweets, Romeo Speedwagon. My beef is with my wife's shower caddy. How does a damn shower caddy rust? My eyes are closed, giving my glorious lettuce a cleanse. And bam! I elbow that piece of crap, and I'm left with a gash on my elbow like MRSA and a foul mood. Ditch the damn caddy lady. That's good wife beef. At Patria1818 tweets, My beef, native-born Americans and Canadians who call soccer football. Such a lame, tired, D-baggy attempt at intellectual snobbery. War football being played on a gridiron, not a pitch. My beef is with people who respond to my text with a phone call. Hey, buddy, if I had time to listen to someone ramble on and on endlessly, I would have called my wife. When I text you, text me back and refuse the temptation to push the call button. Ron and Grand Rapids. That's far from the first time I've heard that, and it never gets old. It is kind of funny. Hey, Rome. My beef is with sports analysts using the word onus. The onus is on the offense to get it done. First of all, no one else in history besides sports analysts ever uses that word. It's never happened. And second, let's be honest, it sounds like anus. And nobody wants to talk or hear Joe Buck talk about anus. That is a disgusting act. Chad from Orlando. Alvy. My beef is Weber with two Bs suffocating and choking the life out of your mic. Hands off, you caveman. Bruce in Riverside. Rome Ranger. My beef is with pinky nose pickers. Do they not know that picking your nose with your pinky doesn't make them sophisticated? It makes them equally disgusting as the index finger nose pickers. I choose the middle finger for pinky pickers because they think they're above all the other germ spreaders. Get a tissue and remove debris out of your nose like an adult, you idiots. Regards, Mike in Wichita. Mike, I never made the distinction, but now I know. Thank you very much. You are the leader in the clubhouse. Rome. My beef is with fun size candy bars. Yeah, real fun. A half a bite of candy. Regards, Rit. JP in Riverside. Rit, why are you not laughing? That's funny. Dude, is that candy you have? What do you got in your hand? He's got a caramello bar in his hand. Full size. Broham. Can you not get through an entire show without eating candy? You freaking nine? Is this Halloween? It's incredible. He's like a 98-year-old guy who can't get through a three-hour show without eating a candy bar. It's revolting, man. Hey, Ron, my beef is with the barista who palms the top of my drink barehanded when handing it to me. I'm sorry, sir. I ordered cream with my coffee, not your sweaty hand that you just picked your face with. I'm pretty sure if you paid attention for more than five seconds to your food handler's course, you'd probably know that that is not a good idea. Jeff from PDX, that's strong too. Not as strong as pinky nose picker, but strong. My crew in the morning at Starbucks is awesome. They don't do stuff like that. I like those gals and that one dude. Jim Rome. I don't know that I've ever gotten a beef that has started with Jim Rome. I don't know that any email or tweet 
has ever started with Jim Rome, comma, Jim Rome, comma. I have a beef with people saying the word like every third word when they converse. Saying uh or um is semi-acceptable, but saying it's like or like repeatedly every time these airheads open up their mouths is obnoxious. Cut the valley girl habit and grow up. Jason in Bend, Oregon. Hey, Jason, you know this already. Check them hard every time they do it. They can't stop. I do it with my kids. My other beef is, huh? Yeah? Constantly doing that with Logan. Logan, it's not, huh? It's, excuse me? Pardon me? I'm sorry? And it's not, yeah? It's a yes. That's okay. Huh? Is acceptable. Because it's emphatic. Romy, my beef is with the smack off being only three hours. CBS needs to clear the schedule for one day and make it a four hour or five hour event. It's like giving Hall and Oates only two hours to play all their hits. Thanks, Blake in Denver. My man Blake in Denver is old school. It's a three hour show, dude. Why don't we just. Why stop there? Why don't we put the smack off on 7p to 12 midnight and make it a five-hour show and do it every single day and just have me go back in time and make the amount of money I made then and give me a scrub Saturday show. Sorry, Blake. Appreciate you. How about the scrub Saturday smack-off marathon? Why don't we do a smack-off every scrub Saturday? Man, I'd love to have that scrub Saturday show back, but but only if it's five hours instead of four. That was an all-time legendary local brawl I had with a GM over the Scrub Saturday show. You want to talk about a dude outperforming his contract. Notice how I've never talked business like that on the show. You want to talk about a dude outperforming his contract? This guy. And this dude's just burying me on that Saturday. Oh, no, you're going to do those last five shows. Yeah, I know it's in my contract. I know it's in my contract. I got a B for you. That a-hole back in the day, you know who you are. That a-hole back in the day that would not let me out of the last couple of scrub Saturdays when I had far outperformed my contract. The same a-hole that if I re-aired, then it started to get really contentious because he was an a-hole and I was young me. So then to kind of jam it up his backside, I would re-air interviews that I did earlier in the week. You know me. I don't do crap like that. I don't lay it up. I don't take shortcuts. I'm not lazy. We grind out every day. I was just doing it to shove it up his ass. And he got pissed at that, too. Scrub Saturday. Let's see here. At FDM Picks tweets, my beef is with my new boss. She forgets a meeting where we are supposed to meet in person for the first time. So she feels badly and decides to invite me to lunch. Okay, good. Good until I see the calendar invite. No! no! It's scheduled for Friday. No! Damn it. Damn it, SOB. Oh, wow. That is bad. That is bad. Let's get some phone calls in here for the beef segment. Ken in Linden, Washington. What's going on, Ken? What's your beef? Romy, my beef is with all these guys that call in talking about their wives and their girlfriends. You know, it's embarrassing enough for her to have to have settled for you in the first place. And then you go talking behind her back. Let's do better, clones. I hear you, Ken. I hear you. But isn't it kind of entertaining when they do? It's not classy. But it is pretty funny. Let's go this time to Kathleen in Omaha. Kathleen, what's your beef? Elvis Presley music is massively overrated. There's no toughness. It's too wimpy. If Johannes Eckerstrom remade all of Elvis's music, he would give it a toughness with a, me- a nice metal flair. He even made a nice remake of Nirvana's Something in the Way, which the original sucks. Thank you, Kathleen. <laughs> now she's a music critic. Well, she always has been that. Man, she loves her some Johannes. She loves her some Johannes. Let's go to Seattle. This is a beef segment. We've got some phone calls. John in Seattle. John, what's your beef? Hey, Jim. I have a beef with irresponsible dog owners that leave nicely bowed-tied poop bags along the trail. Do these people believe in poop fairies? 
It makes me so mad. I think I'm turning into a mountain lion. Do these people believe in poop fairies? At least they tie off their nice little bag and a nice little bow and don't let their dog growler up your front yard and keep moving. Let's go to Portland. James! Jimmy, my man, and Albie, you must be exhausted this morning since it is a Wednesday. Albie, when are you going to figure it out? It's a what's your beef Wednesday, not here's the beef Wednesday. And Jimmy, I've never heard you more nervous on the air until Drizzle called in yesterday. I thought you were just going to give him five grand. Hey, Drizz, it's called the smack-offs, not the shank-offs. It's not serious, dude. We're all just kidding. And, oh, Mark in Boston, great call today. Way to bring the heat. I can only say enjoy for lunch that nice warm bowl of clam chowder. See you Friday, Jimmy. Come on. Come on. Rack him. James. John in New York. John, what's going on? Roll me roll. What's sizzling, baby? Hey, you know, yesterday, when as I was listening to uh, Drip, Drop, Drizzle, whatever that was making that call yesterday, Jim, all I could think about was the people around them taking cover, the local authorities setting up a perimeter to take down what probably looked like the making of another national incident, all because a mental patient wanted to make a phone call. There's a place for people like that, Jim, and you know it well, Port Authority bus terminal in the city. A more terrifying sight, Jim? And if the suits at CBS weren't nervous, they should be nervous after Jeff Aluffa gets from Richmond video aired on the CBS Sports Network. The guy turns around and looks like he hasn't eaten in a week. And after reading their names off last week like they were some side dishes on the menu, you never know what Jeff Aluffa is capable of. Oh, and by the way, I'm sure any cow herder or ringmaster would walk with you, Jeff. How about them meds, Jim? And I'll see you on Friday. Wow, John. Good night now!